Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 3. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome, leaders. Today, we're going to talk about communication planning. This is actually very important in being an effective communicator. Jesse, leaders come to you sometimes, they want to craft a communication, but they often tend to skip some of the foundational steps in creating an effective strategy. Right. What, what happens quite a lot, it's very natural for a leader to realize, oh, I need to communicate something. Uh, you know, there's a change in their organization or uh, initiative that they really want to get forward or just some problem that's come up. And so they will call in the communication advisors like me and say, hey, we need to get a communication out on this. Uh, I was thinking uh, we should probably send a letter to people or an email or you know, make a brochure or something. And th- so they're immediately sw- jumping into a, a tactical mentality and um, missing some of the st- strategic steps that can, uh, you know, that, that can be so important in actually being effective. Why is it important to be strategic about your communications? If, if we're not strategic, um, there are so many things that can go wrong. One, you know, one of which is just unintended consequences. Um, if, you're, if you're not strategic, you can miss uh, certain um, people that need to be communicated to. Uh, you might miss some of the implications. You might, have, you might actually be sending hidden messages. Um, and it really, you know, in, in episode one, we talked about uh, the seven habits of, of highly engaging leaders. And, you know, right up at the, at the top was being proactive. And that requires being intentional, planning ahead. Um, and if you're not creating a, a true strategy, you're not actually being proactive. So you're, you're really being more reactive. And that's going to hurt not, not just the... Uh, outcomes of this communication, but over time, it's really going to hurt your credibility as mm-hmm. a leader. Now, when leaders come to you, you have some guidelines that you use to help them develop a good communication strategy. Right. And, and guidelines is the right word. These aren't rules. Uh, you know, I like to think of them as guidelines. Uh, <laughs> and you can, if, if I go back and pull out different communication strategies that I've helped put together over the years, there's going to be some differences in how they look. Um, they might, they, they, they will tend to incorporate all of these five components that, that we're going to mm-hmm. talk about today. Uh, in fact, I, you know, I just pulled out one from just about 10 years ago, and uh, it, it has all five of, of these components. Um, but sometimes just based on you know, the different needs, there's going to be some things that are emphasized or other things that will go into it. But they, these mm-hmm. five, I mean, I was taught as a baby communicator, baby leader, you know, that uh, about these um, five things. And uh, I, it, I was recently reminded that the, even though they kind of come naturally to me and to a lot of people who communicate all the time, they're, they're not something that everybody knows about. Um, and so I, cre- I, I like to think of them as the 5M 
uh, communication plan. And why that's easy for me to remember is I always think of, you know, the company 3M, which makes scotch tape and post-it notes, among other things. And so they make things that stick. And I want my sure. leadership communications to stick. And so I think of 3M and then, you know, I'm going to go a couple of steps better than that. And so this is the 5M uh, communication guidelines. <laughs> okay. So the 5Ms. Where do you start? Well, be, before you jump right into the 5Ms, um, I will say there's kind of a, a two-step, two-phase communication thinking that's going to happen here. And I, this was made very clear to me in a great book that just came out earlier this year by Fred Garcia called The Power of Communication. And I hadn't really thought of it this way previously, but he, he said, you know, be, even before you jump into communication planning, that's one phase in your process. There's actually a phase called communication analysis. And that is, um, that's just where you, you stop a minute. So if you're the leader or you're someone that's helping the leader and your natural inclination, inclination is, we got this issue, let's go communicate it. Well, we'll take a minute or a few minutes and assess, do some analysis, assess the situation and the potential impact. So ask, you know, what do we have here? What's the situation? What's the magnitude? How, how big of a thing this is? Uh, what's the likelihood of different scenarios happening? Is this going to, is what's the worst case scenario if, if we either don't communicate or we communicate badly? Uh, what's the likelihood of that? What's the best case scenario? Mm-hmm. And, um, Think about who matters in this uh, communication. Who's actually impacted? What do we know about them? What gaps do we have? You know, what do we not know about them? Um, and then even beyond that, is there anything else that we don't know that we should in order to plan effectively? So you kind of want to, you know, do your homework a little bit so you've got some of this information and thinking done, and then you want to sit down and fill in the blanks on these five uh, these five M's. So what's your first M? The first M is mission. It also include, incorporates measurement. And uh, mission in terms of what do we need to accomplish through this communication? What are our outcomes uh, that, that we need to achieve through this strategy? And I think it's important in most cases to actually th- force yourself to think of those as business outcomes, even if you're not necessarily leading a business. I mean, most endeavors, whether it's, you know, a nonprofit or um, a group, I mean, you can think in terms of what are the sort of bottom line things that need to to happen. Because otherwise, you can get so soft and wishy-washy in what you're trying to accomplish. So if you sort of say, well, what are the business outcomes that need to happen from this? And how will we know we're successful? The reason why this is important is it's just so natural. Even, you know, like I I had... uh, a, a leader recently and kind of, you know, contacted me and said, Hey, we need to send out a letter. And, um, and, uh, so, so, well, what, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? Well, people need to understand blah, 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 blah. And, uh, it was things that this leader thought they were really important to this leader, but that's because he was an expert in this particular area. And most of what he was talking about were things that his audience really didn't need to know, they wouldn't care about, and it wasn't really going to serve any kind of um, true business purpose. It was was purely a nice-to-know thing. Now, buried in there were some nuggets that really were important, but a lot of what he was trying to get across wasn't. So, you know, I had him step back and say, okay, what do you need people to do 
or think differently? Um, and what's the business out, you know, business um, outcome that that relates to? So usually if you can't tie it back to your business, there's not a good reason to be to communicate. Um, the measurement part of that, again, forces you to get very kind of uh, objective. There's no reason in consuming time and resources to communicate something that is not worth measuring. Now, I don't want to overstate that because there's a lot of times where the measurement, there are a lot of things you can measure uh, in terms of communication, but it, there's some time and cost involved just in the measuring. Okay. So you could, you know, you could, um, and so you might not measure every single thing that you do. You might, uh, you might say not, I mean, one way to, one way to measure is you, you, you have some communications that go out and then at a certain point you survey people or you do focus groups to assess whether they actually saw those communications. Do they remember them? What was the main point that they might remember? So you're measuring your communication. You're not necessarily measuring the the business outcome that you're looking for. That exactly. That that's one approach. There's other approaches where um, you let's say you're communicating something because you want people to take action. A lot of times you can measure whether or not they took that action. Um, so you know, for example, uh, I recently on on uh, one of our videos. Um, for Engaging Leader, I talked about a company that had a health initiative, and the first what what action that they really want people to do was that the first step was to just take uh, come to the on-site health clinics and get a biometric health screening, get their blood drawn and their measurements taken, um, so we could measure how much of that was done, and we saw, you know, we were able to achieve well over ninety percent. Uh, uh, um, of that. So that was a success. So this is before you do any other communicating. You're trying to come up with your mi- mission and measure and plan what will how will we measure okay. whether or not we achieved uh, the outcomes that we set. And sometimes you say, you know, we're uh, there's certain types of communications where you might say our measurement is that we don't want to hear any bet. We don't want to get any flack over this. Mm-hmm. So if we don't hardly get any negative uh, response, that's good because if we don't communicate, we are going to get negativity uh, in this situation. And so the best we can hope for is that we don't get any uh, negative criticism. Um, okay. So your second M is members. Yes, members is. Uh, means audience or stakeholders. And it's important to uh, cover this second because for one thing, you want to remember that the point of any communication is people. You're either trying to lead people, in other words, influence them, or maybe be influenced by them, get their input on something. Or maybe, you know, you're you're just simply trying to nurture a relationship. And not every communication um it necessarily is trying to, you know, push something out. It may just be, you know, nurturing a relationship. You get together with your kids, sometimes not because you're always trying to, you know, push them one way or the other or train them one way or the other. I mean, you're just trying to have a relationship with them, and that's a form of engagement or communication. But most of the time, if you're creating, you know, a specific communication plan, you are trying to influence an audience and. Uh, on our in our show notes, I'll, we'll, there'll be a link to a video for a, a kind of a simple little exercise that we call stakeholder analysis. 
And this is where you identify who are all the people that are impacted by this issue that we're communicating about. Often, you know, when the leader first thinks, hey, I need to send out a communication about this, they have one target audience in mind. But when you stop and think about it, there are other, there are multiple groups that have a stake in this. Give me some examples. In the illustration that I was just talking about, the company that had this health initiative, you might think, okay, the, the, w- this is about communicating with the employees that we want to get the screenings, and that's true. That's probably the primary audience. But when, then when you take a step back and you say, okay, but then um, how about the spouses of those employees? Are they going to be supportive of that? A lot of people um, only take steps regarding their health if they're encouraged by their family because of the importance that that means for their future. Um, Second, secondly, um, how about the uh, healthcare practitioners that are taking those biometric screenings? What's the is there an existing relationship between the employees and them? In this case, there was, and so um, that they were a stakeholder that was going to influence whether or not this campaign was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, the managers of those employees was significant because. Um, is this going to happen on company time or not? Uh, is it going to happen before the shift begins or ends? What we found um, is that in over the course of this campaign was those managers were actually the number one biggest influ- biggest influencer on whether or not an employee got that screening. So really? very significant. And it, it, to, actually, to clarify, it wasn't the immediate supervisor. It was the highest level manager for the work site. So um, the immediate supervisor was important too, but it seemed to be that the highest level manager at a given work site was the, was the critical factor. So, and there's some, you know, there's certain communications where you also have to look beyond the, uh, the, employees and leaders at a company and even their families, but what about, how does it impact their community? So um, a lot of times the little stakeholders, you know, I, I, I'm making circles in the air. On the video, you'll see that we, we draw circles and we're doing the stakeholders analysis. Those lead you to other circles. Okay. So uh, after you take a look at what your mission is and how you want to measure the outcome of your communication and who you're communicating it to the members next you hit the message right now again we're now on our third step and we still haven't gotten to the part where the leader's natural inclination is hey i want to send out a letter i mean we mm-hmm. haven't even got that far as to determining what the tactics are no we're st- we're currently at messages and this is what are the key messages that we need each of those stakeholders that we just got done identifying to hear or read. Um, and, and that might be a different message. For each one. For, usually, for the different groups. Yep, sure. it often is. And a lot of times we will break down our messages by whether we're trying to make somebody aware of something, whether we're trying to act, go beyond just basic awareness and create understanding or even beyond that create belief or beyond that cr- to create action. Uh, a lot of my listeners will be familiar with a RACI matrix. It's, uh, it's an acronym, R-A-C-I. And that's where you're actually going through and identifying for these stakeholders. Is this somebody who's responsible for something, accountable? Are they somebody that we're actually going to uh, consult so that they get some input in this? Or is this somebody that just needs to be informed? What I actually do is write out just some bullets that 
sort of capture what is it that you're going to say to this audience and try to put it in as close to the language as you would use as possible. The trick is, this isn't really the time to to wordsmith. You know, if if you're working in a in a group, um, you you wordsmith a little bit because you need to be aware that words do matter, and you can use words that don't actually have the right impact on people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is, until you actually start creating the piece, you know, whatever it's going to be, uh, the like we keep talking about a letter or a brochure, uh, that's going to impact what the words are. So you don't really wordsmith too much in this communication plan. But you do want to, you know, picture yourself or whoever the leader would be uh, saying this so that um, you can kind of test out how is that going to sound. Now, you've got your message crafted. What media are you going to use? That's the next M, media. That's right. Media it, it refers to the communication channels or the tactics that you're going to use to connect with each stakeholder. So uh, usually what we do is think about what is the, what's the one best communication channel that is going to uh, connect with this audience. And then usually you want to step back and say, okay, is this initiative worthy of actually um, having some redundant channels. Um, now, I'll just give you an example. Um, we, we, there was a, um, locally here, there was a friend of our family who was um, performing at a local restaurant one night. And we had heard about it uh, a long time earlier, but, you know, it didn't make it on our calendar or whatever. And it just so happened that we saw it that very day on Facebook. He, mm-hmm. he reminded everybody about it and like, oh yeah, we wanted to go see that guy. Now, if he had his primary mode of communicating about that was verbally, because in, in our area, um, you know, word of mouth makes a big difference and that's, you know, people get excited about it. But also, you know, that he didn't rely on that. He had put up some flyers here and there and then he used Facebook. And so one is, you know, you, you want to make sure that everybody gets hit and different people you, you find more and more in this era, era of social media, people have different communication um, preferences. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's surprising. Even if you decide, Hey, we're only going to do electronic communication. Okay. Well, is that email, Facebook, Twitter, something else? Because people, um, most people have one of those that they really prefer. And then some people are, are checking more than one, but do you really want to limit yourself to only getting a fraction of your audience because, um, you know, not everybody really uses Facebook and not everybody uses Twitter, but a lot of people that are really passionate about Twitter don't look at Facebook at all. Or maybe not having your message stick, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. we'd already heard about it, but we forgot about it. The message didn't stick until the second time when we saw it. Right. And usually a good rule of thumb is three times to stick, uh, that, that, you know, at the very least communicating once can create awareness. But if you're really trying to get action or at least understanding, then, then you're going to need to have three times to hit people with it. I mean, I'm a guy and half the time I don't remember, you may tell me something once and uh, I may not even remember that that conversation ever happened. (laughs) And if it happens twice, it means I'm nagging. (laughs) Okay, um, so you look at the variety of media that you could use and choose how it would best apply to your audience. And Yeah, and as part of this, because right now we're really at a tactical level, I always feel like this. the fourth M here is when we're really getting down to tactics. 
So you're thinking of communication channels. Um, what's the number? What's the most important? Do we need to have redundant channels? Remember, we have different groups of stakeholders. So are we are we hitting each of those different groups with the right channel or channels for them? And then let's not forget that the spokesperson makes a difference. Now, um, you might not always think about your communication as having a spokesperson, but it's it's speaking in somebody's voice. Maybe that's the you know the CEO. Maybe it's uh, uh, the individual leader. Maybe your your whatever you're doing is sort of crafted as a a, a, a faceless third party um, representing your organization. Um, how however you choose it, you need to kind of make that a deliberate choice and make sure that that voice is somebody who is credible. Okay. Do they have the sort of competency and the trustworthiness that's going to connect? with this audience. And sometimes it really is, you know, just a, a sort of nameless editor that it's kind of coming from. No, and your audience doesn't really stop and think, oh, this is, you know, who is sending this? This is just, it's a newsletter coming from the organization and maybe that's okay. But a lot of times even then, the specific message within a given article in that newsletter should still come from a person. Most of the time, you, your your audience is going to feel more comfortable if they feel like there's a real person that is giving this message because a real person means accountability. You know, some this isn't somebody is behind this. Somebody owns this, um, and if that's an authentic, honest, credible person, it makes your communication more impactful. What types? What different types of media should people be considering? There's the obvious: brochures, newsletters, emails. Yeah, that's a that's a, a good example. And a lot of the times, what we'll start with is is okay. Let's make sure we're not being limited by just what's most top of mind. So let's just take a step back and see what are all the channels that are available to us as a leader or as an organization. And so um, it's kind of nice just to maintain a list of all those and add, add to it or subtract. But, you know, within a given, let's say if you're doing sending an employee communication in a given organization, they may have um, an in- intranet page. They may have um, a- an internal system like uh, Microsoft SharePoint uh, that has, you know, message boards and discussion groups. They may have an internal version of, of, uh, of Twitter technology. Um, either provided by SharePoint or Yammer or something like that. They may not have any of those, but they may have email. Um, They may have uh, ways to provide um, online videos, kind of short YouTube-style clips. Um, There's voicemail. There's email. It may be um, uh, posters that are set up in break rooms or other places around the company. It may be... A poster, but a really nice framed poster, just to get people's attention. Maybe you know banners or um, shirts or you know different things that are that just catch people's attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, it's kind of you know in a way it's sort of limitless. Um, and y- then if you're thinking uh, of a something, you know, you got to think about is this something that we're just communicating at the workplace, or are we going to send it to homes? And there's pluses and minuses depending on each organization. But sometimes making it the homes is the only way that um, a spouse, for example, will actually see it. Mm -hmm. And some sometimes it just it's the only if it's an action that you're asking someone to take at home, uh, then depending on the type of worker, 
uh, it, you may have to send it to homes because some workers just don't ever uh, like a lot of there's certain blue collar type uh, occupations where it's just very difficult to actually feel that something that you hand them at the workplace is going to make it home. Whereas, you know, a typical knowledge worker, white collar worker might have a briefcase so they can stick that thing in it. Your last M is manager support. Why is that its own bullet? The obvious question is, aren't managers just part of those stakeholders that we identified in the members audience? And that's true. But over the years, I've discovered that unless you really treat managers and other types of leaders, whether formal or not, any stakeholders that are particularly influential. Mm -hmm. So any of those uh, influencers that are that important really deserve to be their own planning step. Because as I told you about with that health uh, example earlier, the managers ended up being the number one most important. They they weren't told, you know, involved more than just the managers, but they were so important that we needed to think specifically about how do we work with them to achieve these objectives that ultimately are important to both of us. Sometimes that's because those influencers might actually be some of your spokespeople. And so to step back to your previous question about what media channels might you use, you know, I I kind of neglected to mention different types of um, just meetings that can happen. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. Sometimes those are your most important communication channels are... Uh, regular meetings or a special meeting or a speech. And so you know, maybe you're going to write a speech for a CEO to give. Uh, it might be a electronic town hall that, you know, communicating to people around the country or the globe, or it might just be a little, you know, five person huddle that happens. But mm-hmm. um, so, so and, and so when we're talking about the fifth M with managers or other influencers, and a lot of times you'll, you'll purposely say, you know, there is this group of people out there that if we work with them, they can actually be champions. They may not have the title of a manager or be in any kind of uh, official position, but if we can enlist their support of champ- as champions of this effort and then equip them and involve them, they could be you know, a key uh, influencer in this. Now, at a, at a basic level, the, the manager support is going to require at least keeping managers informed. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually that means advance information, that you're going to okay. tell them before the employees. And you'd be surprised how often that doesn't happen. Uh, again, hey, I, we got to communicate this. Let's get this brochure out. Okay, so if you if you skip these, these strategic planning steps, you might miss the fact that your managers most of the time really appreciate knowing something before employees do. Because sure. otherwise... What if the employee you know reads the communication before the manager and then the employee asks the manager about it? The manager, you know, on the one hand might might look dumb or feel feel incompetent. Um, but you know that's okay. And you can say, well, that's who cares about that? That's just a that's just an impression. Of course, they're not dumb. But beyond that, they've they've lost an opportunity to really demonstrate alignment and to help mm-hmm. translate that information into messages that make sense to that employee. Because a lot of times, a leader, depending on how far removed you are from an employee, you can do your best to create key messages and craft those communications in a ways that um, frame the situation appropriately for the employee. You know, just to go back to our earlier health example, hey, we want you to take a, a health biometric screening. We think it's important that you know any hidden conditions that you might have so you can take you and your doctor can take action on it. 
Well, you might, you just, more often than not, you don't know everything that the manager does about those employees. Okay. And the manager can, um, if given the right opportunity, can understand those messages, um, own them, you know, believe in them, and then help employees really understand it. Because it may mm-hmm. be that when if you just sent that out and employees got that message, they might pick up on some hidden messages, some un, you know, there might be some unintended consequences. And the manager could help translate that. You know, for example, the employee may say, what in the world are biometric screenings? I mean, that sounds like, are they going to, you know, put lay me on a screen and do robotic stuff to me. I mean, what is this? And the manager can say, well, they're just going to, they're going to draw your blood and they're going to weigh you and they're going to check the measurement of your waistline. And then they're going to run that through some calculations and they're going to tell you, uh, you know, you may be, your real age may be 40, but guess what? You have the heart and body of a 55 year old and you're going to die early or be disabled early, but there's some simple things you can do to reverse what's going on here. Or whatever you know, the manager can translate that into information that makes sense for the employee and get fully aligned. So, um, at the very least, you want to uh, make managers aware or other champions aware ahead of time. And a lot of times, what you'll do is you'll you provide them talking points, and we kind of call that in the you know the sort of industry term is cascading. So, let's say there's a communication that starts from the CEO, and you create some talking points so that the CEO's direct reports can take the, the messages from the CEO and translate that to their own direct reports. And then the, that layer will cascade it down to the next layer. And they're kind of each translating it and showing and basically demonstrating um, alignment all the way, all the way up. Um, but beyond that, beyond this just sort of informing and cascading, is actually engaging the managers or other champions ahead of time and, and, and allowing them the opportunity to influence what's what you're about to communicate. So get their reaction. Um, uh, help them to uh, have some input. Maybe talk about w- what this means to them um, so that you can... Because uh, sometimes what you're communicating might involve a change for that manager. They might be scared about that. And may, but they might choose to support it, you know, overcome that fear. And so they have sort of this, a change that they're going to go through. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can kind of be a part of that, then actually that, that change story, number one, is going to make them a bigger spokesperson. Number okay. two, they might share that journey. And, you know, telling stories is always the best way to communicate something. It's usually more memorable, more real. So again, to go back to our health example there, at one of the work locations where there was actually the least amount of support to get these screenings done and to take the follow-up steps, the primary manager at that group had a health, had a heart attack, subsequent, but survived, um, but it was obviously a traumatic experience. Well, after that point, he became the biggest spokesperson for getting this stuff done because if he had known some of that stuff ahead of time he could have avoided that heart attack and of course now he wants to avoid you know the big one that might you know kill him and so uh and since then since that point that uh location has been achieving 99 to 100 percent participation so that's the power of really involving a manager letting them 
own what's happening and tell their own story. Mm -hmm. And so that's not going to happen if you don't really get them involved and help them communicate things in their own voice. Well, thank you, Jesse, for sharing with us the importance of creating an effective communication strategy and for outlining the five M's for us, mission or measurement, members, messages, media, and manager support. That's all the time we have, leaders. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Engaging Leader Podcast. If you like our show, please rate us on iTunes. That makes a huge difference in helping more people discover it. Go to engagingleader.com slash iTunes. We would love to know your thoughts about this episode. You can leave comments on our show notes at engagingleader.com or connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, where I am at Jesse Leahy. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers on internal communication strategies. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Arthur Hankey, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about.